Hey, folks, Tom Block. Thanks for tuning into Front Row Knowles, and thanks to the Champions Club and Seminole Boosters for their longtime support of this podcast. By now, you've seen or heard about the Boosters One Tribe campaign, which is annual membership to Seminole Boosters that helps fund the most vital needs of the FSU athletics program, including scholarships, academic support, and athletic training. I'll put this as simply as I can. If you're listening to this podcast, you care about FSU athletics and should be a booster. Many of you already are. Thank you. And I encourage you, if you're able, to increase your support. If you're not a member, you can join for as little as 70 bucks a year. Just go to boosters.fsu.edu to learn more. And now sit back, keep your seat, keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle. Well, you know the drill. Enjoy the show. Here's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. Tom Block with you. I uh, gave Keith this opening segment off. This is a best of show. He's on vacay. I'm on break as well. We'll be back next week. But uh, what we've got here is a best of compilation of some interviews, football focused from earlier this year. So momentarily, we'll hear from offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham, then wide receiver Keyshawn Helton, defensive end who transferred in from Georgia, Jermaine Johnson. And because of the terrific run that the softball program had, out in Oklahoma City. We'll flash back to an interview we did with Coach Lonnie Alameda at the start of this year's softball season. That's all coming up on this Best Of edition. And again, we'll be back next week. Shout out to the folks at Summerbrook who are one of the many fine sponsors of this program. If you're looking for that Father's Day gift, hey, give them a call. Get them a tea time out there. 894-4653, the number out at Summerbrook. With that said, here's the interview with offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham. This was right after the spring football game. And his first response is to the question, where did you get better? What did you see from spring practice? What did you like about it? And uh, let's begin the conversation. Well, like we got a better understanding of the offense. You know, we got to really teach these guys more of the why. Now, does that mean we're perfect? By no means are we even close to perfect. But are we better than we were? Yes, right. And our kids have a better understanding of why we're doing things, uh, when we're going to do things, and then how we're going to do them. And uh, that was one thing that, you know, we lacked last year at times was just the how, the, the fundamental piece of the game. And I think our guys are, are slowly starting to learn how to accomplish a task with the look being different. And that's the, that's the greatest challenge in football is when something's not exactly um, what you prepared for, right? Do those kids have a good enough knowledge base to react to the situation and know what the goal of the play is or how to still get the job done. And I think we're getting better in that, in that regard. Coach, the focus is always on the QBs. Uh, it's been that way for all time, I think. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and in coaching, you always want competition at every position, but boy, you've, you've got some competition for quarterback and, and just talk about their development. Yeah, I mean, I, I like our quarterback room right now. I mean, I think all the guys have done a, a really nice job. I mean, I think as a whole, as a group, I think they've, they've really bought in to the, to the mantra of kind of helping each other and pushing each other. You know, I've been a part of, you know, places where you, you don't always have guys who, who truly want others to succeed. And I think our room right now is truly rooting for everybody to just be the very best they can be. And 
the progress we've made just in terms of understanding football, uh, in my opinion, is, is, is pretty impressive from the likes of, you know, the Chubbas and the Tates who, you know, came in as freshmen last year, but, and were thrown into the wolves a little bit. And those guys really got to sit in there and, and really just talk football and defensive football, not offensive football. Uh, and you could see that, that the progress they made. Then you have the, the older guys like McKenzie and Jordan McKenzie with a bunch of reps just in his career. And then Jordan being able to watch him and say, man, I never thought I could throw that dig before the hash. I don't know how you could possibly get it there. And then McKenzie would throw it. And then Jordan would take that. And he'd say, okay, I have to move my eyes that much quicker. It is possible. Coach is telling me something that's possible. It's not just coach talk. Right. And then he would go apply it. So I think, how we got better, we got better because we truly believed in, in each other and, and pushing each other to be the very best. And they'd watch every single rep the other people were taking, and they would say, good throw, good decision, bad decision, right? And, you know, secretly as a coach, I'm saying, well, I just stole a rep from you because you were paying attention. Even though you were motivating your teammate, you got better. And uh, I think that was the biggest takeaway was just the, the overall unit and the joy they had for one another. Well, that speaks to a point that you've made throughout the spring, just about elevating the quarterback room in general when McKenzie arrived, uh, if Jordan's picking those things up. And going back to your earlier point about understanding defensive concepts and how to react when something uh, you know goes awry, I, I thought it was pretty evident that McKenzie Milton, if a play blew up the other day, and I think it, one did early, might have even been his first series. I mean, he just buried the football at the foot of the intended receiver and lived to, to fight another play. No question. I mean, he's a sne- – don't let him fool you. He's a sneaky athlete now. He can uh, – he can he's, – he's, qu- he's quick as all get out, and uh, he can go extend plays, make pro- plays. He has a knack uh, for knowing when to make plays, um, knowing when to tuck the ball down, and, and those are instinctual movements that I, I wish I could say uh, we coached, but <laughs> he, he showed up like that, and I'm glad he did. Kenny, I haven't heard you talk about it, and maybe it was not an issue, but how much pre-snap change authority, if you will, did you give the guys, and and how did they do with it if they had any? Oh, every play they have the ability to change the play. Cool. Uh, Our our, our guys, we're teaching our guys football, what makes plays good, what makes plays bad, big picture, and our guys know issues on every play. Our guys know – when we call a play, what could make this a negative play? What could be a problem here? And based off that play, they know how to get us into a play that would be successful versus this look. And, uh, you know, I'd say at about we're getting us into good plays at a, at a fairly high rate. Uh, obviously, when you're in spring ball, uh, there are certain looks that you don't talk to that the defense is going to do just because it's more game plan towards your defense. And there's a few times in the scrimmage and in practices that – we do run dead plays and that's just because we're not going to game plan our own defense. Uh, however, I think our guys are understanding football to a point where come game day, they're going to have a great grasp uh, for how to get us in a good play, regardless of what the defense does. And there'll be a few times we get got, you know, that's, that's the game, but as a whole, I think uh, they're doing a really nice job. Kenny Jordan is the returning starter, but when you look back and peel it back, I mean, how important was the spring? He didn't get a spring last year. I know he missed time in August. Once you get into the season, your game planning and 
And Lord knows with COVID last year, you never had all your parts and pieces week to week. So this is really the first time he's had a month to just work on himself getting better. And really, I know it's been the whole off season. So where did you see, how much of that improvement did you see just from him getting to focus on being a quarterback? Oh, I mean, this is, this is year one. I mean, you just said everything perfectly. I mean, this is year one for him. I mean, yeah, we've got to teach him the offense, right? But we haven't really got to, to teach him football. And that's the biggest, the biggest difference in our system as opposed to other systems is we have a lot of answers and we give our quarterback a lot of flexibility. So you may know the answers. However, you don't know the question because you don't understand what the defense is doing yet. And I feel like there were times last year where we were playing the game, where we knew the answer, but we couldn't figure out what, what the question was because we didn't know what the defense was doing and just getting behind there and getting reps and being able to talk football for, you know, a month or, you know, 15 or really like 25 days and just teach, okay, this is the question to the test. This is the question. Uh, this is the defensive look you're getting, right? What is your answer? We're getting to the point where we understand the question and the system is what takes care of the answer. So I'm, I'm very pleased with, with his progression. He needed it. Uh, and I think, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a, a drastic improvement and calmness and just how he, how he approaches the game, you know, because he's starting to understand and combine that with, you know, the consistency and his footwork that we get to just focus on the fundamentals. Those are two critical things for him. And another thing that at least the, the chatter is about is obviously your offensive line. You didn't have all your parts, uh, but just talk about their development and then what they showed on Saturday and the, and the pluses and the minuses. Yeah, I think anytime you have spring and you have a bunch of guys hurt, you got to kind of separate it. And, you know, I think our group one guys, you know, that those, those first two group, the first group out there did a really nice job. And I think they progressed really well. Um, I like the fact that we have versatility. You know, you have a guy like Darius who can move from tackle to guard, baby on who can move from guard to center. Uh, Devontae, when he comes back, he'll be able to play tackle and guard. Lloyd, who can come in and help us at tackle. Uh, so you got so much versatility there, uh, and, and there's – I mean, I could go on and list our entire line, but those are just the guys who can play multiple positions that it truly allows ourselves, Coach Atkins, to kind of play around and find the best five because the reality is people get dinged up throughout a season. And the having the flexibility allows you to say, okay, we got a, a, a bum ankle at, at guard. Well, we can move our six players to tackle. So we're going to move our, our tackle in to guard. That way we can play our, our, our next best guy. So the flexibility that the, the versatility in those guys gives us allows us to be flexible and allows us to get the best five on the field every snap. And you can see the weight gain and the strength from the offseason. Uh, and then once again, the understanding of the system. You know, we're not teaching what inside zone is in our zone steps. We're teaching how to ID a linebacker who's aligned in the backside B gap instead of the frontside A gap and how that affects my first and second step. So it's, uh, I'd say in the quarterback room all the time, when I joke around, it's like last year we were taking like intro to football, right? This year we're taking football 101 and progressing at the 202. And uh, the longer you're in the same system, you know, hopefully we'll get to uh, a master's degree in about four to five years from now. Yeah. You need to get to the 4,000 level courses, right? Correct. I, I know the the portal holds the answer, I guess, but do you anticipate bringing in, are you trying to bring in one more offensive lineman? 
I think everybody in America, including us, is looking to add an offensive lineman. That is the one position that you can never have enough good offensive linemen. So, yes. Um, but like I said, I think everybody in the country is in the same boat there. Yeah. Kenny, you may not agree with me, and that's okay. Um, if you had not had the Saturday and Sunday practice, if you'd ended after 13, I think you'd walk away and say, you know, our young receivers have got some talent, but but they can't catch the ball. Well, that wasn't the case on Saturday. Yeah, they did a really – I mean, they, they showed up. I mean, I talk about all the time. I, I don't believe in necessarily guys who are just game day players. Like, <laughs> you got to practice. Like, you'll never see game day if you don't practice. So, nobody will ever know. It'll be the best-kept secret in the world if you're just a game day player, right? But there is something to guys who rise to the occasion, and there's something to guys that – make plays in the biggest moments. And for them, that was the biggest moment they've had spring game in front of fans, in front of 15,000 fans. And they rose to the occasion. And um, I was just super happy to see those guys and, and the joy they had after that scrimmage, knowing that when their number was called, they made a play for a true freshman who should be getting ready for a senior prom for both those guys, you know, sacrificing that to, to just love the game and want to make an impact in year one. I mean, I was, fired up for him. The fact we haven't asked you about running backs, that must be testament to the fact that we don't see many questions there. I don't know if you feel that way, but in, in looking at it, and you've used the word versatile a lot, seems like you've got a versatile, solid group there. I mean, a lot of guys with different skill sets, but 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 all talented in their own way. 100%. I mean, I think that group is, is probably the most stable and consistent that we have right now. I mean, led by uh, Corbin, and just the, the demeanor and consistency he brings every day. I mean, he's kind of the heartbeat of that room. And uh, he beats to a high standard. And I think that high standard uh, is helping that entire room elevate their level. Because when, when the leader of your room um, sets that standard and is consistent like that, um, and then all those guys, like you said, being versatile and just kind of being a little bit different. You know, we, we've got – we don't have the same guy twice back there which usually doesn't happen. Usually you have to say, okay, we have this guy. And if he were to go down, this guy is basically the same player. We don't really have that. We've got a whole bunch of different guys that have different skill sets, um, which allow us to be versatile. And uh, it'll be a fun challenge for us as a coaching staff to utilize all those different talents and their strengths. All right, coach, fess up. You got to be transparent with us now. How excited are you going to be when you can put down that stupid game show, game thing, console, and actually get on a plane or in a car and go see somebody and talk to them about what's great about playing at Florida State. I am very excited because the one thing with it is I, I play games with prospects because that's how a lot of those guys communicate. You know, I'll never be there playing a game versus a random person. That's I'm 30 years old. I don't play video games, but that is an opportunity for me to build a relationship in their setting in a, in a setting where they're comfortable. Uh, and if that's what's needed for me to be able to have a, a real conversation for 45 minutes with a guy, then I think it's necessary. But at the same token with that, um, being able to get these guys in person, the one thing about me in the recruiting process is I'm going to be the same person, whether I recruit you, whether I coach you, it doesn't matter. My personality isn't changing. And, and I don't want it to change because with the transfer portal, like you mentioned earlier, these so on 
quote unquote elite recruiters that, you know, are their best friend and then turn into the enemy when they show up on campus, that's called transfer, right? So if you're not a genuine person nowadays, this portal is going to expose you. If your program isn't genuine, if your program isn't about the right things, this portal is going to expose you. And uh, I'm fired up uh, for what we're doing here. I'm fired up to meet these kids in person and, and just expand on that relationship. Coach, we'll wrap up here momentarily. I'm going to bring it back to, to McKenzie real quick on the way out. Uh, you know, I, obviously he got better as the spring went on, and I'm guessing part of that was shaking some rust off. Part of that is, is learning the system. Generally, when a guy has a, a, a severe injury, and, I'm, and, and most people aren't coming back from something as catastrophic as what he had, there's a psychological hurdle you got to get over in terms of, of trusting that knee and, and being willing to take a hit. Is that something that we just won't know if he's crossed that bridge until literally the first game or the first time he gets hit? Or do you feel like he's he's there? Or can you even know until that happens? He does not. No psychological hurdle for him. He's too mentally tough. He's too competitive. Um, nothing along those lines are going to hinder him. I think it's more uh, motor functions, you know, when you, when you hurt your knee and it's more just habitual from a standpoint of, when you're rehabbing, there's certain you don't push off that leg for a year, maybe for a year and a half. And now when you're throwing motion, you're supposed to utilize and gain power from the back foot. So I would say it's a lot less with, with McKenzie. The mental side of it, he, he feels great. He feels ready to roll and there are no hindrance. It's just the, the muscle memory of getting his feet back underneath him uh, and getting his body comfortable with being able to use his legs. Right. But for him, he is healthy mentally, physically, emotionally. He is ready to roll. And I'm just blessed I get to coach him because he brings a certain joy every single day in a certain presence that I'm glad I get to be around, that I'm glad other quarterbacks get to be around. I'm glad our team gets to be around. Coach, we appreciate your time. Uh, congratulations on a great spring. We'll let you get back to video games. If you come across uh, somebody that's named Wildwood Knoll on there, that's just Keith, and you don't have to waste your time there. He, he can't help you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I appreciate y'all having me. All right, Coach Kenny Thanks, Dillingham, Coach. offensive coordinator at Florida State. Keith, you notice I say these things when we're on Zoom. If we're ever back in the studio together, I have no doubt that you will still exert your uh, rightful uh, command as a former star safety for this team. I will just remind you that uh, that chair accident in the studio three or four years ago might not have been just an accident. Noted. Noted. Okay, on that note, we'll go to break, come back with more Front Row Knowles. <laughs> Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ back with you. We told you we'd talk some Florida State football, and we're pleased to bring to the program Keyshawn Helton, veteran receiver at Florida State in the midst of spring practice and spending a few minutes with us. Hey, Keyshawn, how are you? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Impressions. Uh, give me the, you know, the Cliffs notes so far. How would you summarize spring practice thus far? 
excitement, uh, excitement, competition. Um, every day is it's it's different drills of us, us competing against each other, and at the end of the day, competition brings the best out of everyone. So uh, that that's two that's two words where I could sum up the uh, spring practice so far. Keyshawn, what's it like to finally be healthy? Oh man, best feeling ever. Uh, finally, feel like myself pre-injury, uh, and just going out and just just putting my best foot forward. I feel great. Uh, my knee feels great. Doesn't bother me anymore. So excited about that. Let's dive a little deeper on that because it was a pretty significant knee injury. So compared to a year ago, even when at the time you probably said you were feeling good or, you know, now a year later, I mean, can you, can you give us the difference on, on where it is now, even during the season this past year to where you are right now? Yes, sir. It's almost like night and day, honestly. Uh, back during last year in the season, uh, it was something I felt like uh, something I wanted to do and I just couldn't quite, do it all the way you know trying to get out of my brakes fast like I normally could and um trying to pull away from guys create that separation that I normally could uh you know I worked I put myself in the best position last year uh to be successful and try to do those things but like you said just a year outside of the injury I really couldn't you know do those things but now I feel fully confident and you know doing anything I want to do on the football field and making any cuts and um, and I've gotten a lot faster. I got my body, got my legs a lot stronger. So I feel fully confident uh, in my knee. For our listeners that might not have done their homework, because I did a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, Keyshawn is a great athlete. Now he'll smile and say, no, not really. But uh, long jump, 400 meters in high school, um, 4'4 four, four or under 40. Uh, when I ran the 40 back in the uh, late 70s, Keyshawn, they gave me a lantern and a lunch. and said, be back for <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> how has that speed you mentioned the speed are you back where you could say you're as quick and as explosive now as you were two years ago most definitely and if, if not if not more explosive excellent uh, if, not, if not more uh just dedicating dedicating my time to my rehab was one of the biggest things you know i used, I used to spend and still do spend uh uh quite a quite a long time in the, in the, in the training room you know i could i could remember back um a couple months ago, I was spending five hours in the training room a day, um, just trying to strengthen up my body, trying to trying to get my knee back right, and and, and still now I, I spend a couple hours in the training room a day, just just fine tuning things, you know, and, and, and strengthening the small parts of my body like my hips and my calves and my hamstrings, you know, things like that, the muscles around my knee to, to help strengthen, you know, everything up. What was the darkest moment? in terms of from the moment the injury happened and then the comeback trail? Oh, man, I have to I have to recap to a – it had to be a night, probably a week outside of my surgery. Uh, I was laying in bed at night, and uh, I think my, my mom had just left. She stayed for a week after my surgery, and then um, her and my father and my sister left. And I was laying in my bed, and it probably was 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. I couldn't go to sleep, and I had to go sit in my, sit in my tub in, in hot water um, and it wasn't high, so don't get worried, but I had to sit in, sit in that water and, and I eventually fell asleep. And that was the only way I was going to be able to fall asleep, uh, to stop the pain, um, in my knee, you know, and, and from that moment forward, I kind of used that day as motivation because, you know, I had never been that way. You know, um, I cried myself, cried myself to sleep because, because I didn't, at the time, it was so much that was unknown. You know, I didn't know if I was going to be able to play football again. You know, I didn't know if I was going to be the same again and things like that. So, you know, that probably was a dark moment in my in my process. Let me move it to uh, – we'll move off of your injury specifically and get to the <clears throat> the team. But mm-hmm. I, sort of as a bridge, 
you've got a new quarterback now that everybody's talked about in terms of McKenzie Milton, who also had a horrific knee injury. Mm-hmm. Has that commonality, have you guys discussed what that, you know, the isolation you feel in rehab, has that been a, a bonding point for you and him? Oh, man, most definitely. It's crazy because our lockers are, we're locker buddies. Um, and, the, and the thing about McKenzie is, you know, his knee injury was more significant than mine. And um, the attitude that he brings and the, the mindset that he brings to everything that he does, you know, he acts like he didn't even get hurt, you know, and just having those conversations with him with, you know, helps me gain confidence in myself um, just to see his process and things he went through. You know, it's, while going through my process, I, I thought mine was bad, but, you know, it's, it always could be worse. You know, Mackenzie had a you know, more significant injury than I did. So just learning how he dealt with it and learning the things that he's continuing to deal with and how he's getting through them um, just helps my process um, that much easier. Keyshawn, tell us why, because I, I think I have a couple of ideas, but I'd be interested in yours. Tell us why we need to be excited about this wide receiver group as you prepare for the 2021 season. What's what's unique and different about this group? The uh, I, I think what, what's what's the, the most unique thing uh, this wide receiver room has right now is, is that's changed is the mindset. You know, the mindset and the guys that Coach Norvell has recruited and came in. Those those two freshmen, Malik McLean and Josh Burrell, are two outstanding, phenomenal guys. I can't speak enough about them. Um, and on the field, you got to see what, they, what they're capable of doing. But what what they bring to the room mentally, and and their approach to the room, and, and and the way they compete, and the wide receiver room is full of competition and full of great athletes. And you know, we're working to put that on the field this year. But the, the most the, mo- the most important thing I feel like um, this wide receiver room has is the consistency and the leadership and the mindset that 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 we have now in the receiver room. Everyone's playing for another. Everyone's happy for for each other. You know, there's no you know, you know, I in anything that we do. We're all we're a group, and you know, we're a team. So that's that's one of the biggest things that I see that was the difference from previous years. How much further ahead do you feel? Well, for you personally, I mean, you were still rehabbing at this time last year. But considering the team, you were adjusting to a new coach, and you got three spring practices before COVID shut it down. So now, as you're halfway through spring practice this year. Obviously, you already had a full season with this current coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess what I'm getting at, it you don't necessarily need a map to figure out where you're going now. You know the way they want you to work. You understand the system. How much further along is it just one year, you know, one year later than, than, than Norvell's first spring practice? I mean, significant. I mean, the, the growth that the team has had just one year under, under this coaching staff has been significant. And, you know, you see guys a lot more comfortable playing inside the system, offense and defensively. You know, I, speaking on the offense side of football and, you know, speaking for myself, you know, I feel more comfortable playing those multiple positions, inside and outside receiver. You know, just learning the concepts conceptually and, and, and understanding what Coach Novell is trying to attack um, the defense with and understanding what, you know, the coverages and the things that Coach Novell is teaching and Coach Dugan is teaching and, you know, when you're on the field, you're able to you're able to uh, be comfortable. You're able to play faster. You know, you're able to dissect things faster. You're able to see things faster, and you know, react and you know, and play fast. So that's that's one of the biggest things I see with that. All right, now fess up. We won't tell Coach Norvell what your answer is, but fess up. Wide receiver or returner? Which one do you enjoy most? <laughs> oh man, wide receiver. Wide receiver, without a doubt, without a doubt. Right answer. Are you in the mix as a returner, though? I mean, you were you were having success as a returner before your injury a couple of years ago. Are you back in the mix, or are you just solely a receiver now? I'm back in the mix at a punt return and kick return. I, as a matter of fact, I've been working both of those. Um, 
uh, every other day, I think I work kick pump return one day, and then the next day we practice, I work kick return. So working both of those as of right now. Well, I, I return punts my sophomore year, so anytime you get confused, just call me. I'll tell you what not to do. Just do the exact opposite of I did. Do the exact opposite of what I did. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Keyshawn, uh, you know, when I, when I read up on you, I mean, work ethic is, is two words or a phrase that, that I've seen several times. And sure. uh, obviously it applies to the, re- the significant rehab you've had to go through. but to, to where does that work ethic come from, uh, from, you know, is it an in, individual, somebody in your family? Is it, uh, yeah. the fact that you've, you know, you're going to hate that I say this, but that you're five, nine. And so you've had to yeah. overcome a people questioning your size. I mean, to what do yeah. you attribute that work ethic? Um, I think it's, I think it's a bit of all that, what you just said. Uh, but for the most part, I think at a young age, uh, my father instilled this work ethic in me. And, you know, as a smaller guy, you, you have to work you know that much harder uh, to get on the field. Um, uh, if you're competing with a bigger guy, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and, and as he spoke, as he preached that to me as a, as a kid, it's just grown with me as I got older. Uh, just, and, and as I worked hard, I seen the results that came from it, you know, and, and it just made me want to work even harder. So, um, and I pride myself on that. You know, I pride myself on any room I walk in. I want to be the hardest worker in the room, you know, regardless of who's in that room. I want to be the hardest worker. You know, I refuse to be outworked, you know, and, and that's how I'm going to win at the end of the day. I'm, I'm outworking. You know, that's that's what I pride myself in, and that's what I do. You know, I'll stay hours after the workout to to if I have to to outwork my competition. I mean, it doesn't matter, you know. So um, that's just something that's in me. You know, uh, it's, it's something that's from the age of four years old. I've had all the way up until now. I'm 20 years old, so you know, I'm blessed. My my father, you know, kind of kind of. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ back with you. I promised we'd continue our conversation about Florida State University football. It is the week of the spring game, and we're happy to open up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together to talk to one of the gentlemen who's had a really good spring out there for Florida State and a newcomer to FSU, but we're pleased to welcome Jermaine Johnson to the program. Jermaine, how are you, sir? I'm well, I'm well. Thank you guys for having me. You bet, and thank you for a few minutes of your time. I know you've been here for a couple of months now, and and you're a veteran to, to college football. But that said, uh, a couple of months is not a long time necessarily to get integrated, to meet your teammates, to get to know your coaches, especially when we're, we're in a COVID environment. So before we talk on the field, just how is your uh, how is the transition gone in terms of arriving and feeling comfortable in Tallahassee and at Florida State? Man, it's gone great. It's gone lights out. I mean, I couldn't be happier. Uh, I love everything that's going on. School is going great. Um, everything on the field is going great. Off the field is great. Um, Coaches are just who I thought they were. My teammates, I'm growing to love them more every day. It's becoming a brotherhood. So, I mean, I love everything about it. I'm excited to um, keep it going, too. All right, Jermaine, let's talk about the important stuff. How many times have you gotten lost and gone the wrong way on a one-way street in Tallahassee so far? (laughs) Oh, no, not too many times. Uh, I come from uh, Minneapolis, so we got a lot of one-ways out there and confusing roads out there. So, uh, I've uh, navigated pretty well out here. Good for you. Good for you. That's great. So there's not been a lot of 
Minnesota connections to Florida State football that I can think of. So I want to get to your story. But one of them won a Heisman Trophy, and that's Chris Winkie. And the other one that I can think of is Joe Maurer, who, who had signed to play baseball here, I guess, or no, football here, but then became a, a you know pretty good Major League Baseball player. So how does one get from Eden Prairie, Minnesota, to, to FSU? I, I know you were at junior college and then at Georgia. So really the question is, when, it, when you decided you were going to move on from, from Athens and the University of Georgia, what was the attraction to Florida State? Uh, I mean, the historic greatness of this program uh, drew me here, all the greats that it produces, and uh, not to mention the opportunity <clears throat> to be a part of, of the revival here. And um, that being said, the coaching staff um, was amazing, and uh, they, they just uh, were talking about how special of a fit it could be, uh, you know, for both parties and and that just caught my attention. And um, I came in with my uh, head down and my hard hat on and just went to work, um, just trying to earn respect of both my teammates and coaches. Jermaine, how different uh, from a schematic <clears throat> standpoint is what you're being asked to do now from what you've done in the past, i.e., is it a significant change? Are you very comfortable with it? How's that going? I'm extremely comfortable with it. This is more uh, similar to what I did in junior college. Um, what I excelled at. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be back in that kind of role, especially um, with this body type I have now. So it's pretty scary, but it's fun. Um, so, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm just more comfortable uh, in this role. Um, I did just a variety of things in the, in the Georgia defense, and, and then that was fun as well. But it's fun to just get my hand back in the dirt and, and play uh, more of a traditional 4-3 uh, defensive end. You mentioned the Florida State history and legacy. There's there's quite a legacy of defensive ends here. How how privy are you or were you before you arrived just when you look back at guys like Renard Wilson and Peter Bolware and more, you know, most recently maybe Brian Burns from a couple years ago. But there's a long list of guys that I slighted by not naming them there. But uh, you you see their names, I'm sure, in the locker room and, and around the athletic center. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I mean – uh, as I was being recruited here um, by the coaches, you know, Coach Odell and Coach JP, they they uh, went on and showed me the list of guys they coached and helped produce and, and, and uh, seen how many guys came through this program. And uh, not to mention, I, I did connect with Brian Burns uh, a little bit. And, you know, we talked a little and he was <clears throat> he was here recently and, and stuff like that. But I mean, yeah, it's just it's like I said, historical great. But um, historically, they've produced uh, really great pass rushers, and I'm just glad I can, um, you know, God willing, keep that tradition going. Jermaine, you played a lot at your time at Georgia. You've gone up against offensive lines in the SEC. <clears throat> uh, we always like to ask our newcomers, you know, what's it like going against the kids you're going against on the offensive line? Who stood out to you? What's impressed you about the offensive group that you're going up against every day? I mean, that, that whole group, they're getting better and better every every practice, every rep, they're getting better. And, um, you know, at, at, every, at the end of every practice, pretty much in scrimmage, you know, I'll have one or two of them come up to me and just say, you know, how, how great it is to, you know, to just be working uh, and competing the way we do with each other because it makes them so much better, as it does me. So, I mean, they're, they're all just getting better and they're getting good and they're working and they're open to learning new things. And I even, uh, I'll try to teach them, uh, what I know, you know, uh, from a from a defensive end pass rushing standpoint, you know, sometimes that helps them. So it's just good to to be out there competing the way we do because both parties benefit from it, and and in turn, the whole team benefits. Coach Norvell has commented that he's been pleased with the way 
you've shown leadership skills. And I'm curious for you, I mean, on the one hand, a guy that's a fourth or fifth year guy, just by the nature of being one of the older guys could be looked at as a leader, but that's tougher when you're a transfer and you come in and you didn't come in with these guys as freshmen. Uh, do you see yourself as a leader? And, and, and if so, uh, how difficult is it to lead when you're still literally uh, in some cases, probably learning the names of guys that are on the other side of the field? Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. Uh, no, like I said, I just came in, um, keep my head down and, and, and working, uh, I mean, to me, that's the that's the main way <clears throat> you earn leadership and, and you, you, you go in a role like that. A lot of guys just think, you you know, you just obtain that role as given to you, um, you know, just because of your status or whatever. But I mean, I, you, I strongly believe you got to work hard and earn the respect of, of your teammates and coaches. And and by doing that, you know, you, you just naturally fall into a leadership position like that. And uh, that's just what I try to do. I just try to come in and work and earn the respect of my teammates and, and my program. So, I mean, you know, whatever happens, happens after that. But um, regardless, I come to work the same every day, regardless to what we do out there. So I'm just glad I'm in a position that I am and, and I hope to just rub off on, on some of those younger guys and even older guys. And uh, hopefully it makes the team better. Jermaine, academically, what are you studying? Uh, life after football, what does that hold for you, do you think? Uh, right now, urban and financial planning. Um, and I'm just hoping to do a little bit of, uh, you know, God willing, uh, <clears throat> I hope it's uh, I make it to the NFL and, and I do well sure, out there. Sure, sure. Um, I just, I really want to uh, learn about money and, and what to do with it and, and how to handle it. So, you know, once I do get some money in my hands, I, I'm, I'm mature and, and, being a, an adult with it and uh, know how to how to make my money work for me mainly. So just want to learn about money and, and, and uh, real estate, because, I mean, that's one of the best investments you can do is land because I'm going in. Well, once you learn, come back and teach us so we can make some better decisions as, as we grow older. Let me let me move it back, <laughs> move it back on the field, Jermaine. Uh, you talk about, you know, earning your respect from your teammates. Who's earned your respect from, and, and really what I'm asking is who stood out to you, whether it's along the defensive line, on the defense, really anybody on the team as you're out there grinding every day when you look up and you think, man, whoever it is, they're, they're having a great camp too. Man, it's really everybody on the on, on my side of the ball. Um, I mean, I'm, there's people on the other side of the ball, but as you know, I, you know, I work with them on the defense, so I'm around them most of the day. But I mean, when, when I'm busting my butt out there and, you know, and, and sometimes I can be pretty vocal when I get into it. And um, and those guys just respond right back and they're they're ready to work. So it's just it's great when you got a, a group of guys around you that, you know, are going to work their butts off because because you because um, like I was talking about before, respect is everything. Once you earn someone's respect and they earn yours. Now you have trust in that person. And, and now you now you guys can play sound football now you can do your assignment and just do your assignment and, and have faith that the other guy is going to do his assignment. And then that's how you, have, that's how you have a good defense. So, I mean, it all goes hand in hand and, and I'm just glad uh, to have the, the guys around me that I do. Jermaine, when the uh, spring game is over and you start working towards uh, the summer and getting ready for fall camp, what are the couple of things that you're going to be focused on to make uh, your individual improvement as you get ready for the 2021 season? <clears throat> Man, um, uh, this this uh, month we got coming up, uh, I don't plan on taking much time off. I, I plan to go pretty much uh, pedal to the middle in terms of training, um, mostly speed training, 
as well as uh, individual pass rush training. Um, and then just stay in my playbook <clears throat> and uh, just uh, keep their regiment going up, up until we re uh, report back and um, and uh, get back to work with, with uh, football from a schematic standpoint. But yeah, like I said, just uh, mostly speed work, get, get more explosive and then um, make sure my pass rush game is on point. So uh, so we can have a, a pretty fun time this fall. Well, Jermaine, someone, as someone who played here, but it was a long time ago, I don't recommend you go back to Minnesota and spend a couple of three months and then come back to Tallahassee in August with the heat and humidity. You're probably better prepared staying right here. That's what I had to do. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not. I don't plan on going back uh, too long. If, if anything, a week or two, not. Uh, I plan on staying down here or um, in the area. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're right about that one. It's pretty significant weather uh, difference. We'll wrap up here momentarily. Who who do you model your game after? I mean, who would you compare your game to? I don't mean not necessarily a Florida State guy. It could be a Georgia guy, but a pro guy. Is there somebody you say that's that's who I am or who I want to be? I, I, I watch a lot of Khalil Mack. Man, he's uh, he's just a, a dominant force. He's a wrecking ball, um, and I, and I try to do do things like that because the guy has speed. The guy has power. And he has technique. And at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to is technique. And if you have that along with uh, your God-given talent, it can be pretty scary. So, yeah, pretty much Khalil Mack. And um, as I have put on this weight and, and, and my explosiveness and speed has increased with my uh, age and maturity, um, that's, who I've, uh, that's who I've gravitated towards and watching because it's important to, to model your game after someone with a similar body type. So, yeah. Uh, that's who I try to watch. Cool. And, and, and final question. I think I read somewhere, maybe it was when you were first uh, announcing for Florida state that you used to watch videos of Dalvin cook when you were in high school. Can you, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, man. Uh, so in high school, I, I played both sides of the ball. Um, I played receiver as well. Um, like 50 pounds ago. So uh, yeah. So I got pretty hyped up um, watching, watching him play and, and, uh, other other uh college teams play but i just remember him he was he was so fast and he was powerful and he could do it all and uh just that whole scene of uh florida state college football just turned me up and that took headphones off and did what i did on friday night so uh, there's all some right, tommy wait a minute tommy uh jermaine you owe me a dollar you owe me a dollar next time we get together because <laughs> okay. you used that term 50 pounds ago you're going one way the right way and i'm going one way the wrong way but that's my term <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah hey, 50 pounds ago keith was a heck of a safety here in the late 70s jermaine we'll let you get running congrats on a good spring uh, best of luck this weekend and and with the remainder of your career at florida state appreciate hey, you thank you guys yeah thank you guys for having me i'll take care Front Row Knowles is brought to you by the Osceola, dedicated to FSU sports and fan experiences. Sign up for a free trial at theosceola.com or call 833-FSU-NEWS. We do this uh, annually, I think, in terms of our next guest, right about this time of year when the softball season gets started. And Pleased to reopen the Earl Bacon Agency hotline and say hello to Coach Lonnie Alameda. How are you, Coach? I'm doing awesome. How are you guys? 
Good. One of the advantages, uh, see, this is a positive from COVID is now that we do this via Zoom, we can see a smiling face instead of just hearing it translate over the phone lines. You've always had an infectious, positive personality. And I guess as a starting point, that must have helped to some degree when you look back at the last 11 months and what it's been like through the through this pandemic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, you know, I mean, <clears throat> when the games got canceled and um, the season got canceled and it just kind of started just that avalanche effect of everything going on. And it was uh, definitely for about 12 hours, like, man, no softball. And then when we woke up that next morning and realized it was a world thing, you just became a, a big teammate of the world and figured it out. So we just kept on stepping forward and figuring out how to get better any way we can virtually um, had a lot of connection stuff. And here we are um, together, stronger as a team, stronger individually, stronger as a team and ready to get after it. Lonnie, a lot of our listeners that don't pay real special attention may have missed the fact that uh, a milestone was achieved by you last year, 700 wins. I don't, I I think the average FSU fan would probably have uh, not gotten that right on the test as it were. Um, (laughs) A remarkable career and and you're at FSU and and I'm going to use the term you're happy here. Yeah. What is it about Mike Martin and Bobby Bowden and, and Leonard Hamilton and Lonnie Alameda that <laughs> makes FSU the place you guys want to be? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think the two minutes I walked on campus when I came for my interview is just that family atmosphere here. Um, it's very genuine. Um, it's just such a, a unique feel and it draws uh, certain people to that environment and then you truly love where you're at so it's easy to be positive because you love where you're at and you love what you do and uh, we had a zoom call with coach Hamilton the other night with our team just sharing stuff about team life his upbringing I mean it's just the family it's the family atmosphere coach you joked with us about how uh, flexible you have to be in these times and you referenced coach Hamilton I mean his team has had two pauses already this season uh you, as, as we're speaking, you had to scramble your schedule for this weekend because your opener got, got postponed because of COVID issues on the other side. Um, how do you, you know, how do you get your student athletes, your staff, your coaches, everybody to just, I mean, really you have to embrace the unexpected. I mean, you can't let it get you down. You just have to wake up every day and know that there may be a schedule change and it is what it is. Yeah. I'm fortunate for baseball and softball. Uh, Mother nature challenges us all the time with that. (laughs) You know, we're, we're not the ones that, um, can really wake up every morning and know that we're going to be inside a gym and it's going to happen, you know? So, um, so wind, sleet, snow, we're going to try to get out there best we can, but, um, we're a very hang around, hang around the ballpark kind of, uh, sport, right? So we may have a 10 a.m. game, 11 a.m. game that gets played at four or five. That's just the nature of baseball and softball. So I I think that we're kind of used to that. Um, but I also think that from the get go, Uh, we talk about adversity. It's our friend. Uh, It's the ability to adjust, uh, whether it's in-game calls, uh, things you can't control, whether it's weather, whether it's uh, the bus getting a flat tire and being late to it. We just embrace it. We talk about it. And it's just uh, the ones that have the mental toughness and the ability to to make those adjustments are going to be the ones that can let their softball skills play in the end. And that's what we want to do. Well, to that end, you you start the season um, on Friday now, but update us on what the schedule looks like as we're taping this subject to change moving forward. Yeah, yeah. So we postponed the FAM game, uh, the FAMU game. Uh, We'll try to pick that up later in the season. And um, we'll play Memphis and Missouri now in doubleheaders on Friday and Saturday. So um, our schedules are 10, 12, and 3 are the slots. 
Uh, we do have rain coming in this weekend too. So, you know, subject to change, <laughs> but um, our, our thoughts are now to play Memphis and Missouri twice this weekend. And um, we're going to play the 12 and three and the 10 and 12 on Saturday. So, um, but our amazing SID, Brett, will be getting that information out daily as we get through this. Um, but that is our plan to play for this weekend. Coach, tell us a little bit about the makeup of your team. I looked at your roster and, and the first thing I saw was 15 freshmen. And I said, uh-oh. Yeah. And then I looked at the seniors and I thought they must be working on PhDs at this point because those names have been here a while because they got to come back because as a reminder to our listeners, last year's season got canceled early and, and everybody that was competing last spring, if they chose to do so, could come back. So it's an interesting mix, but you've got some mature, really good players on your team. We do. Um, this is a, an incredible time for us because we did have the number one recruiting class coming in here. So we have a very talented freshman class. We call them the rookies. They are rookies to the season. The freshmen are the ones that had 20 games under their belt that actually got a new season back. So we do, uh, we do have 15 freshmen, but they make up a rookie and a freshman class for us. Um, so we, we make sure that uh, we talk about that part. We have talent coming in. This program has worked really hard to be competitive you know, in the country, not only playing, but recruiting on the same side. So when our super seniors um, had the chance to uh, maybe come back and play, we had those talks. You know, we weren't planning on you being here this year. We did recruit. You always recruit to, to make the program better. So let's talk about your expectations coming back. You know, um, let's talk about the competitive nature 25 people on this team are going to be in the fall and in the spring and the legacy that you want to leave. Why are you coming back here? Uh, Cass Davis had PT school all lined up. You know, she put off physical therapy school. Um, Danny Morgan, she was already into South Carolina graduate program put that off a year. Uh, Anna Shelnett was all ready to jump into the real world. Like just so many people have things in mind. Why are you coming back? And the team aspect and the family atmosphere and the want to give back to this program and tell those freshmen what it's all about was one of the main things that they talked about. So it's a really good relationship on that side. Last night at the end of practice, we came up here and we walked the walls. Our walls can speak history to you. We talked about Dr. Jones and everything she's done here. And those seniors were able to speak on the World Series. Those seniors were able to speak on things that are so impactful to our freshmen. So um, super special. Uh, I think everyone's here for the right reasons. And uh, it's really incredibly powerful to have five years of knowledge being able to speak and then the talent that we have with our freshmen. Coach Tom and I have intentionally not brought up Dr. Jones because we wanted to save that for a conversation with you. And of course, uh, most of our listeners will be familiar that Dr. Billy Jones passed away. 93 years of age, was technically, as I understand it, uh, Florida State's first female coach, coached volleyball, and then, of course, went uh, full-time into teaching. But um, just talk about your kids' experiences with her and what she's met. I know Joanne Graff was very close to her. Uh, she's just a remarkable, remarkable lady. She's going to be missed. Oh, dearly. Um, I don't even know where to begin to speak on her impact to us. So, you look at the financial side, the giving, you know, her and Jan has given so much money financially. Um, the leadership side, you know, pulled me aside. We've had dinners, we've had lunches, shared with me how to build, how to grow from every aspect of the game on and off the field. Um, the intentional um, connection side, um, she would play table tennis with our kids. She would have them over, she would talk the stories of, um, you know, how she's grown as a person and then know everything about them. 
you know, I, I took two freshmen over here, you know, a couple months ago and, and we sat down and, and we had a chat with her and um, right away, you know, Hallie Wake is, you're from Arkansas. Like she knew right away where Hallie was from. And, you know, we had to talk, it was a connection. So when you're 90 plus years old and you can connect with a 19 year old and then have that 45 minute, really cool conversation, just super special woman and uh, really going to miss her. But there won't be a day that goes by that we don't walk those halls and keep talking about her and the impact that she's made here because those kids are going to go on and do the things that she's done. They're going to be trailblazers. They're going to get after it. And uh, people that lave the path for you, you honor that, but then you live that too. And I think that's one thing she's really given us. And I can guarantee you in those table tennis matches, she was not losing. No, no. You know, it's funny. I tell you, she, our players went out there and they all, they went out there without me half the time. They, you know, they would call Dr. Jones and they would go out and get a table tennis match. And I know coach Graf does that too, but uh, you know, Callie Harrod was like, you know, I was trying to be easy on her. And then she started whipping it in there and she's like, don't be easy on me, beat me, you know, and she wouldn't, they would never beat her. It was hilarious. It was awesome. Lonnie, as you got to know her, could she appreciate the fruits of her labor? I mean, we're talking about fighting for equity, right after Title IX in the early 70s to where we are now, which is not to say that things are as equitable uh, as maybe they should be, but could she at least appreciate uh, the sweat equity that she had in that? Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, I think uh, I've, I've learned that through Coach Graf too. You know, Coach Graf stays in touch with us and she connects with the players too. So what, you know, Billy has given Joanne, you know, now come through me is we are going to appreciate everything that, that all those women have worked for, but then we're going to keep pushing it. So I do know that uh, there's a lot of things here that I couldn't have done without them but there'll be a lot of things in the future that coaches here will have because of what I do. And so I think that there is an appreciation, but there's also an education to continue push and, and ride that balance, you know, appreciate, appreciate push at the same time. And uh, I just really love that lesson that they both have taught me. Let's bring it back on the field a little bit. I was looking at some numbers and uh, so Sydney Sherrill is one of your veterans, not a senior, but I remember watching her swing the stick as a freshman and thinking, man. And so now I look at her numbers and she's, she's still got two years left, I guess. I mean, and the record book's not going to be that impacted by last year because you didn't play a full season. But the point is she, she's got the second highest career batting average behind old Jesse Warren. And from a home run and runs batted in standpoint, she projects if she's on the same pace to finish second only to Jesse. And that would discount the fact that she's probably going to be better this year and next than she was her first two years. So it's a long-winded way of saying, tell us what you have in Sydney Sherrill. Yeah. Um, I can tell you right now, um, Tom, I'm, I'm obviously excited about her skill sets. You would, you, you wouldn't be, you know, remiss to say that, but she has grown up as a person. She's a leader. Now she speaks up. She's so comfortable in that role. Um, every time we get to talking about our, bubble that we're creating all the things that maybe we can't do Sid always turns around the things we can do um, she always speaks on how much fun we can have together she always speaks about the tightness of the group and as a freshman coming into the program and experiencing national championships and now as a junior with leadership skills loving that because sometimes that's a big harness to bear you know like you know I've got to pull this team together versus like I just want to have fun let me tell you guys what fun is let's talk about how much fun we have so, um, yes, extremely excited about her swinging the stick for us, but I think we as a coaching staff are more excited when you're, when your players that can produce on the field, start producing in leadership categories, that's something really special. And I'm just really proud of her for that. 
Coach, you talked about your recruiting class, uh, by most accounts, number one in the country. Personally, I think one of the reasons for that is your willingness to travel and your willingness to play. We talk about the West Coast squads. Um, you probably get mad when I mention that. But I, and my question is, within your season this year, will you still be able to do, for example, your tournament down in Tampa or somewhere where you invite in the big people? You host it, but you're hosting it away from Tallahassee which is a huge draw for these other squads to come to Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're fortunate this year. Um, a couple of years ago, we went out to the university of Arizona when you speak of a West coast team um, and a very traditional um, storied program and played out at the university of Arizona. And then they're coming here this year. So that tournament down in Clearwater is not happening due to COVID. Um, but we're still going to get those talents to come out here and play us. So um, I think that says a lot to um, our program in the sense that um, people want to come to Tallahassee. They want to play um, what we've created, but also that um, we'll play anybody at any time. Like we, we, we want to play the best and we want to go toe to toe with anyone at any time. So uh, I, I think that Florida, we still got that good game going on, you know, so this season, the, the 10% of games that got taken away from us, the tournaments that got taken away, we're still getting after a quality schedule. And I am really excited about that. And then next year, Clearwater will kick in again and we'll get opportunities to play at other places, but we've got a good schedule on slate for us. Coach, we'll wrap up here momentarily. Uh, I'm going to be that guy and bring it back to COVID. Sorry, but I'm wondering from a practice standpoint, I mean, normally you want your pitchers hanging out together and learning from one another or your catchers, but when you get into a quarantine situation or whatever, do you have to change how you go through that? I mean, now they're not rooming together. Now they're, they're in different bullpens. I mean, all that sort of, I'm thinking pitchers and catchers, but it would apply for any position on the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, um, uh, we'll be challenged a little bit with travel on that sense. So like we'll go up to Georgia tech next week and play and we have two buses going for the 20% um, capacity. And there is, a shortstop in one, a shortstop in another, a catcher in one, a catcher in another, a pitcher in one. Yeah. So if one bus happens to go down, we're able to play with another bus. And um, part of that reason is, you know, having an extra couple players on the roster, 25 players in the roster, we can break it up. We've got talent. We've got great pitching staff. Uh, everyone's ready to go open, close, relieve, whatever we need to do. They're there to do it. So we're in a really good position on that side. So let's knock on wood that uh, we keep our bubble intact and that doesn't happen to us, but uh, we're prepared for it. Coach, you made the women's college world series in 14, 16 and 18, and you didn't get a shot in 20. So we're just rolling that to this year. So this is your year. We know where we'll see you at the end of the season. Good luck. And thanks for your time. And for, uh, uh, for all you've meant to, to Florida state fans, not just softball fans, but, but Florida state folks in general, good luck this season. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Keith. A lot of fun. That, the comments in the interview with head coach Lonnie Alameda, Alameda back in February before the softball team started the season. And, of course, it culminated with that magical run. Uh, just came up one win short out in Oklahoma City. But a tremendous coach, tremendous program. And uh, we appreciate you guys tuning into this Best Of show. Keith and I will be back again next week. Until then, thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.